All right, friends, it's hoop ball promo time. This is big because this is our 2020-2021 NBA season product rollout, and I am so excited to tell you about what we've got. We almost never push our hoop ball products, but this is the window of the year where we need to power that engine. So let me tell you what's out. We've got our draft guide, our flagship's shining beacon to the most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy. We cover all over 400 players this season with future access pass to our Brewski 150. Now, if you don't know what the Brewski 150 is, I'm here to give you the need-to-know info. This is the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for 10 straight years and new this year for hootball we're unveiling our monthly membership plans featuring our fantasy pass draft guide brewski 150 our new dfs pass premium in-season tools as well as our wager pass for sports bettors everything you need we've got you covered 365 around the clock hoop ball tools is your one-stop shop for your nba treasure trove of fantasy need to know information all that you need and more check us out head to hoop-ball.com or follow at hoopball fantasy on twitter now check it out give us a follow get your tools and win your league all right friends it's hoop ball promo time this is big because this is our 2020-2021 NBA season product rollout, and I am so excited to tell you about what we've got. We almost never push our hoop ball products, but this is the window of the year where we need to power that engine. So let me tell you what's out. We've got our draft guide, our flagship's shining beacon to the most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy. We cover all over 400 players this season with future access pass to our Brewski 150. Now, if you don't know what the Brewski 150 is, I'm here to give you the need-to-know info. This is the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for 10 straight years and new this year for hootball we're unveiling our monthly membership plans featuring our fantasy pass draft guide brewski 150 our new dfs pass premium in-season tools as well as our wager pass for sports bettors everything you need we've got you covered 365 around the clock hoop ball tools is your one-stop shop for your nba treasure trove of fantasy need to know information all that you need and more check us out head to hoop-ball.com or follow at hoopball fantasy on twitter now check it out give us a follow get your tools and win your league the following is a hoop ball presentation Welcome to the Thursday night edition of the Box Score Breakdown, a hoop-ball.com presentation. I am your host, Alan Srokey. Flying solo in this pod tonight, our usual co-host, David Bracey, was unfortunately unable to join us. He's feeling a little under the weather, and that's just how that goes. So get, get well soon, buddy. We'll look forward to having you on the show next week. For now, you guys are stuck with me. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so coming up on tonight's program, we have a four-game slate that we're going to break down for you guys here. We had a fun one in Boston, the Philadelphia 76ers beating the Boston Celtics 115-109. to We had a surprise overtime loss in San Antonio, Cleveland Cavaliers taking down the Spurs 117-109 to in OT. We had a game played in Mexico City for the NBA's unveiling of their latest G League team, Dallas Mavericks, 
beat the Detroit Pistons 122 to 111. And we have a, a game going on in Denver as we speak, as we record. Portland Trailblazers versus the Denver Nuggets. We will have a result for that one towards the end of our show. But before we jump right in to the proceedings here, I got to give a shout out to our favorite title sponsor, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. Guys, can you hear that sound? That right there is the sound of satisfaction. The exact feeling that a cup of Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee gives you, which I can now say because I have tried it. It is fantastic, guys. Wonderful stuff. It is the perfect stock. It's the perfect stocking stuffer for your holiday season. You know, so you had to parse over that one. It was a little bit of a tongue twister for me. But yeah, it's the holidays. I know for a fact that you guys, at least, let's call it half of you listening, have not done your Christmas shopping yet. We're less than two weeks away. For our Jewish listeners, also about less than two weeks away is the first night of Hanukkah. You guys have eight nights of presents that you need to figure out. I got a great idea for you. Hawaiian Isles, Kona Coffee, boom. Now you only have seven days to think uh, to figure out. It's that easy. These guys are great guys. You can check them out at their website, hawaiianisles.com. You can search them up on Amazon. Just go look up Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee, and you can find them on Twitter at H-I Kona Coffee. That is H-I-K-O-N-A Coffee. Hawaiian Isles. Get yourself a cup today. So let's get ourselves situated with the first game of the night. The first TNT game, the Boston Celtics losing by six to the Philadelphia 76ers. We'll start with the Philly side. Joel Embiid had a ginormous game. 38 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists, a block, 2 threes. He shot 12 of 21 from the floor, 12 of 14 from the line. A just par the course, monstrous game from the man himself. Tobias Harris had a great game. He had 23 points, uh, 8 rebounds and 7 assists. A pretty, pretty surprising near triple, not near triple-double, but triple-double-ish sort of line from Harris. You'll take those assists all day. He had a steal and 2 blocks as well. 10 of 20 shooting from the floor. Ben Simmons, a little bit quiet. He had seven points, eight rebounds, six assists, five turnovers, and a block. No threes taken in this one, so prepare yourself to celebrate for whenever that next one will happen. Josh Richardson's a guy that's very interesting right now. He's coming back from his hamstring injury. He played 26 minutes tonight. He's apparently on a minutes limit. Uh, I don't Either it's undisclosed what that limit is, or I'm just, you know... I missed that, but whatever the case, he played 26 minutes tonight, which is solid output, and he had a good game. 14 points, two rebounds, two assists, two steals, two blocks, two three-pointers, one turnover, two of two from the free-throw line, 5-11 from the field. That is pretty great Josh Richardson stuff right there. You love the counting love the counting stats. He was a buy-low guy. Uh, before the injury, the injury reopened that buy-low window for him, and if you were able to snag him, good on you. He has a very optimistic outlook moving forward. Uh, Al Horford was out of, of uh, he did not play in this game. He was listed questionable during the day with a knee and hamstring soreness. I believed in I believe in his left leg. Uh, it was the first that we heard of this injury. There was no record of it until today, and it's unclear how serious it is. I mean, obviously, you don't want soreness in either of those two places, no less 
both at the same time. So I think that the Sixers are taking the right cautious approach here. They saw him warming up, though, before the game. You know, I'm no doctor. Maybe he's going to miss one. Maybe he'll miss two, but I don't think he'll be missing many. Mike Scott got the fill-in start for him. He played 29 minutes and had 15 points, four rebounds, all three-pointers, five of seven from the floor and from the three. Um, He was hitting them wide open all night. The Celtics were not defending him. They were not giving him much respect. And if Mike Scott is capable of doing one thing very well, it is spacing the floor. And he did. he, He was pretty great. But he's not the guy that I'm really interested in talking about with the Sixers squad. The guy that is definitely the most interesting is Matisse Thybulle. Um, he was a guy who really started to pick up his shooting when Josh Richardson went down. And it, he was at, it was at first built out of necessity because, as we've mentioned on this program before, and as many else, many others have, and several others, Matisse Thybulle, or sorry, the Sixers bench is nothing. They have no bench. They have it's a starting five team. And we've been uh, we've been questioning when we're going to see someone else with value sort of appear. And Matisse Thybulle is doing some interesting stuff right now. Uh, in this ball game, he played 30 minutes, and at the first glance, the line's not that great. He had six points, two assists. He had a steal and two blocks, which is what you should have him for. And he had two three pointers. Now that's the key. Thybulle closed this game out, and yeah, you know Al Horford wasn't there. Had he been there, you know maybe you see him. But at the same time. Thibault's been really stroking the three ball pretty well recently uh, over his last nine games, which was basically this is this time frame that I'm looking at here. It incorporates when Richardson went down all the games that he missed since and then the two games since he's come back in those nine games. Thibault has been playing at a top 40 clip in nine cat uh, with a huge boon to your defensive stats. Decent boon to your threes. He's been averaging two threes a game. But the thing that's crazy is he's shooting 60% from the floor and he's not killing you from the free throw line. I mean, it's not great, but he's not taking many, so it doesn't really matter. And the turnovers are really, really low too. Um, here's why any of this matters. The the Sixers, they like I said, they closed this game with Thibault and they had him taking shots. He took some three-pointers. They were trusting him to take them. I think he might have actually hit one in the fourth quarter, though I might be I might be wrong, so don't quote me on that. But the point being is that he was out there, and it made a lot of sense against the Celtics team, which is basically comprised of all these wing guys. It, it, the Sixers needed need to be able to go small, and Thibel kind of fell out of the rotation because he wasn't able to hit any of his shots. The, the defense is like already at an elite level. If he is really able to start seeing minutes in the mid-20s, there's fantasy value there. I'm not quite sure what it is. It's not going to be top 40. I mean, this is, it's, just, it's just not. But there is a world, I think, where Thibault could play his way to a mid-20s role while Josh Richardson sees, like, low 30s. And, you know, you just flip the minutes that they got tonight, Richardson with 26, Thibault with 30. So my recommendation here is if you picked up Thibault when Richardson was out, I think you should hold on. I think you should hold on and see what this looks like for him once this Sixers team is up to speed. Once Richardson's minutes limit is taken off, maybe even once Al Horford's in the lineup too, I want to see what this looks like. If he can get to mid-20s and he can hit a three or two a game, you throw that on top of his already sky-high steals rate, the blocks that he's able to get you, and the incredibly low turnovers, and he's a nine-cat guy. He's someone who is very interesting to me. Um, He's a hold. Don't drop him because of the low scoring output. I mean, that's not why you have him. Very interesting stuff from Thibuel. 
Moving on to the Celtics side of things, Kimball Walker, he was on fire in this first half. Coming off of a crazy 44-point game the previous night, Kimball Walker was coming out shooting lasers in the first half. I think he had 19 or 20 points. I can't remember which one it was. He finishes his game, though, with 29 points, 8 assists on 8 of 21 shooting. The Sixers really honed in on him on the second half. They kept the ball out of his hands a lot. But, I mean, he just – this guy is this team's engine. He looked fantastic. He's not the guy I'm most intrigued by, though, and Gordon Hayward is that guy. He is coming uh, – this is his third game since returning from his broken hand. Last night there were some concerns that he might have broken his nose, and I, I just saw the clip of it today. And as a guy who has a, a schnoz probably similar to Hayward's, it looked very uncomfortable the way that it was bending. It made me feel a little queasy. So very surprised it didn't break it. Pretty surprised he wasn't wearing a mask, and he was great. He just – he looks – Really crisp. I think that he was really keeping up with his conditioning while he was out. Um, and he's just, I mean, this game right here, it looks like he's just picked up right where he left off. He had 19 points on 8 of 16 shooting, 5 assists, 4 rebounds, a steal, and a block, and two three-pointers. That's just great. 37 minutes. That was second highest on the team behind Jalen Brown, who had 41. Uh, it's anyone's guess where he's going to end up, because I think that there could be a regression coming for him in terms of his field goal percentage. But outside that, I mean, he he's clearly a different guy than he was last season. I mean, he's a player who's going to beat his ADP. He was a he was a gamble in the mid rounds. He's one of those guys that has surpassed that, and he could be a top forty guy. Uh, I'm I'm very satisfied with what I've seen from him. It was re it's really cool seeing Hayward play at sort of closer to that level he was in Utah. Not only just because you know you like rooting for a guy like him coming off a devastating injury like that, but it makes this Boston Celtics team very interesting. I mean, they're, they're good, man, even though they lost this one. Jason Tatum, he had 15 points on 5 of 18 shooting, not his best night. Three rebounds, four assists, and a block, three three-pointers. Uh, interesting stuff going on with the centers here. Daniel Tice, who started this game, he had 16 points with five rebounds, an assist, and a block in 24 minutes. But the, the hero of the night was Ennis Cantor, who played some big, Second half minutes, big fourth quarter minutes. He, in 24 minutes, uh, finished with 20 points, nine rebounds, two steals, two blocks on 10 of 13 shooting. Obviously, this is not something that's going to keep up. The only thing that I really take away from this is that the Celtics are the Celtics centers are really interesting when there's only two of them and not three. Robert Williams is going to come back at some point. He's going to take anywhere between 12 to 17 minutes, uh, officially making all of these guys just... Who even knows? 12 to 7. 17 might be high. Well, I mean, but you never know. <laughs> it's a three-man committee. Uh, Tyson Cantor split it literally down the middle tonight, 24 apiece. Um, yeah, so you're not you're not making a move there. I mean, Cantor probably has the highest upside of these three guys, but I, I don't really foresee a scenario where he just starts playing high 20s with Tice and Williams behind him. So... That does it for this game. Let's move on to our next one. Um, God, let's just let's all take a moment of silence real quick for the 2019 to 2020 San Antonio Spurs, please. Okay. How bad do you, how low can you sink to lose an overtime game at home to Cleveland? A team that... Not even a week ago, 
were having national articles published about how much they hate their college coach. Kevin Love trade rumors are very public and he's clearly pissed off. But I'm, I'm going to circle back to that Kevin Love point because uh, I, I have a tiny mini rant on that. We'll get to that real quick. Um, but God, this Spurs, people were talking about how the, the Blazers were having a rough year. They're, they're having a rough year because of injuries. The Spurs are having a rough year because they're bad. It's just sad days for the Popovich era. This is, you know. Anyway, let's go to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, the ad for Mitch and Kevin Love had a really good ball game. 30 points on 11 of 24 shooting. Four three-pointers. 17 rebounds. Two assists. No defensive stats. This is a pretty stereotypical Kevin Love line if I've ever seen one. Um, Colin Sexton held up the other side of the scoring load for this team. He had 28 points on 10 of 19 shooting and in very Colin Sexton fashion had two rebounds, two assists, a steal, and that was it. Um, so hope you like the points. Jordan Clarkson led the scoring charge off the bench for this team with 25 points, four rebounds, three assists, and a steal. He had four threes as well on 10 of 18 shooting. He continues to do what he does. Uh, Tristan Thompson had a low point in this game. He had two points, seven rebounds, two assists, and a block on one of five shooting. He'll hope that he bounces back in his next couple of ones. Uh, Jetty Osman, he had a nice efficiency game. And over the last, I'll give him credit, over the last two to three weeks, he's been shooting the ball pretty well which gives him something. I, I, he's not a guy I'm adding anywhere. I mean, maybe if you're like in need of, I, I don't know. He, he's, he's just not, the fantasy game's not there for him. He had 15 points in this one on six of 12 shooting, two rebounds, an assist, a steal and a block and three three-pointers. That's all very serviceable, but it's just not what he will be. Um, and yeah, the guy that I think we were all t- keeping an eye on heading into this one was Kevin Porter Jr., who had a very crazy stat line in his last one. Let me take a look at what it was real quick. I remember it was 26 or 24 points. It was 24 points with six threes. There we go. 20, yeah, in his last game, he had 24 points, six threes, and three steals. You know, He's been getting uh, a lot more minutes recently, and everyone's just like, hey, this terrible team is starting to play their rookies. Maybe he's worth a look. And uh, he had 16 minutes in this game in an overtime game. He had five points, two of six shooting, two assists, two rebounds, and a steal in a three. And um, look, I don't, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I've watched a lot of Kevin Porter Jr. I think I saw maybe one game he's played this season. Um, I, I don't, I'm not thrilled by his fantasy prospects. He strikes me as a Tim Hardaway Jr. type with the stat set. Only difference is that he's a rookie and he's in Cleveland. So there's not a lot to like there, personally. Yeah, he's got some upside, and there's definitely going to be a point where he's going to be playing, I think, consistent mid-20s minutes, but I don't really know what you're going to be getting out of that, frankly. I mean, he's got – he's def- not. I'm not going to knock him. He's definitely talented. It's just that the fantasy game is just not there. He's not my cup of tea, so I'm not reaching for him. And for those of you who did, well, maybe you should just move on to the next one. So let's press pause on here for one quick second, just because I want to address uh, just I've, I've been seeing a lot of stuff about this Kevin Love situation uh, in, from like a fantasy perspective. I'm not going to sit here and talk to you like I'm one of these people who are way smarter than me who have already discussed the lack of trade options that Cap, that, that Cleveland has. Uh, I'm not going to you know get into the specifics of any of that. But from a fantasy perspective, I think it's important because – we Kevin Love is just not happy on this team. It was very clear. Just you, you could just see it through the just the numbers. The six ga- th- these last two games of his have been really, really good. 
they've been good. Um, but they, he's been phoning it in. I, I got to say, his six previous games, and granted, he was injured through some of these. Some of these, though, it also just looks like he just wasn't really doing much for you. I mean, he had he was the outside the top 270 over his last six games prior to these two. We, I think it's very clear based off of the reports that are coming out that he does not want to be in Cleveland. I mean, I've seen stuff. I've, I've seen some stories out there saying that he was the indicating that he was the player in Cleveland who called out Coach Bayline, Beeline. I don't know. Um, in that that athletic piece, um, I, I think it's very. It, it, who knows if that's the case? But it's also, I think, very apparent that he does not like playing with Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, two point guards who are not only trying to figure out the NBA but trying to figure out how to pass a ball. Like they, they they're trying to learn how to play with each other. I mean, look, you're Kevin Love, and you went from getting passes from LeBron James in the NBA Finals to watching Colin Sexton dribble the ball out for 20 seconds and then just shooting up a prayer. He, he's not getting he's not getting any help in Cleveland. He's not going anywhere in Cleveland. He's in Cleveland. Sorry, Cleveland listeners, but he's in Cleveland, and there's just there's there's no reason for him to want to try. Even if he is on the trade market, he doesn't need to showcase anything. People know what Kevin Love can bring to a team. He just doesn't want to be there anymore. And I think that it's going to come into play in terms of fantasy. Like, you're just going to get games where he's totally off. It just it seems like a massive headache. The fact that there aren't logical destinations for him makes me a little afraid of how long this could go on for. This whole malcontent, get-me-out-of-here attitude. I mean... Personally, after a big game like this and after a decent game uh, that led before it, I might be trying to move off of him if I have him. Like, I, I have, you know, I don't think that that's out of the question. I think this is the time to strike. Maybe find yourself a top 50 to top 60 type of player. If you want to aim higher, go aim higher. I could top 40 is fine, too. I'm not sure where the valuation really lands on it, but somewhere between that 40 to 60 range, just get him out of your, get him off your team. This is the time to do it if you want to do it because I feel like the headaches are coming. This Cleveland team is just going to stay bad. The other part of this Kevin Love trade thing that I want to discuss because I've also gotten a lot of questions on Twitter about this player and I've also seen a lot of questions about him in the Hoopball fantasy forums, which is a great place, by the way. Just go to the forum tab on hoop-ball.com. A lot of it, give, give fantasy advice, receive fantasy advice. I'll be there. Maybe we could talk. It's a fun place. The guy that I'm talking about is Larry Nance Jr., a guy that people are interested in acquiring based off of the notion that Kevin Love will be on his way out, and thus Larry Nance Jr. becomes this guy who will just rise to these starters' minutes and be like this crazy, useful fantasy asset that you could buy for cheap right now. My, my issue with that is, so, so like right now he's outside the top 100, which is actually good for a, a reserve. Generally, if you have a reserve who's out, who's like around the top 100 and he were to move into starters minutes, that's a good sign that he could be like a top 70 to 60 kind of guy. Like, you know, you, you like seeing that, but it just all goes back to the fact that there is no trade that makes sense that's in place. There is no assurance that if Kevin Love is dealt, that Larry Nance Jr. is just going to have this runway. It makes sense. But we don't even know where Love could go. We don't know what could be coming back. The Cavs aren't at, don't have a lot of options at their disposal. They might have to take on some power forwards. There's no guarantee for me here that if you just try and invest in Larry Nance now, that it can pay off because of all the uncertainty with the situation. And also the fact that 
all these owners who probably have them that you're trying to scoop them off of, they're probably thinking the same thing. This is a guy I should hold on to because of the potential value that he could have once love is gone, which is just going to drive the, the, the price up to a point where I'm not willing to pay. Like if I'm trying to trade for Larry Nance, I'm trading a guy outside the top 100. And I don't know if you can get him for a player in uh, outside that top 100 right now. So summation, you have love. I'm trying to trade him. You have, if you want Nance, you got to trade someone outside the top 100 for him. If not, I don't know if you can sustain the mixed bag of ball games that he'll provide you. For reference tonight, you know, he had 29 minutes, got 11 rebounds, which you love, but he did nothing else with them. He's just, you know, he's fringy right now. Potential's there, but he's fringy right now. Anyway, that's my, that's way more time than I wanted to speak about the Cavs. Uh, I guess that's just the pitfalls of doing this by yourself. No one can tell you, hey, man, stop stop talking about the Cavs. <laughs> um, let's just go to the Spurs. Uh, an equally depressing team, frankly. Probably more so, considering what we know about them. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, second game back from his two-game absence. He had a decent ball game with 18 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, and a block. Shot 6-16 from the floor. Not great. Um, but you assume, as long as he's playing, he's going to chug along at top 40 top 35 value so you got to keep running him out there uh demar Derozan had 21 points on 8 of 17 shooting not great on uh with four rebounds four assists and two steals really the spurs are there's nothing to talk about with them man the only thing there is to talk about is this disgusting point guard battle that's going on between Derek white and uh dejounte murray White won this one out. Uh, he had 32 minutes in this game, and he was good. He had 17 points with four rebounds, two assists, and a steal. Seven of nine shooting and three of three from the free throw line. That's all – and no turnovers. That's all really good stuff. Um, go ahead and do me a favor and take a look at his last eight games. Just pull up his game log. And, I mean, that's just – it's really just on one, off one, on one, off one for him. These games are – he's not giving you consistent output. Over, like, you know, you mesh all of those averages together, those eight games that he's played, including tonight's line, he's outside the top 200 in nine cat leagues. Uh, you can do better. Talent's there, but it's just it's just not happening right now. And DeJounte Murray, I mean, we heard, we heard like four or five days ago. Maybe it was actually sooner than that. Maybe it was like two to three days ago. We heard that his minutes restrictions were, li- were, were lifted. He was finally able to now see minutes in the 30s again. And he did that in his last ball game. But tonight, he only saw 17 minutes. He had six points, six rebounds, four assists, three steals, and a block. I mean, it's all great for the time he played, but 17 minutes? You just sort of get the impression that Pop is just going to go with the guy who's playing the best. And not to mention that Patty Mills is in the fold here, mucking things up himself. He had 28 minutes in this ball game with 10 points on three of seven shooting. Uh... The answer on the Spurs point guards is that there is no answer. I don't trust any of them, and you shouldn't either. And that's all I have to say about that. Let's go now to Mexico City. This exhibition game between Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks versus Avocado Adverse, Andre Drummond. He was, uh, we'll get there. Anyway, Dallas side. Let's talk about the Mavs. Luka Doncic doing Luka Doncic things. 41 points, 12 rebounds, 11 assists on 14 of 24 shooting. He had six three-pointers, was 7 of 12 from the line, which, you know, the five missed free throws isn't that great, but you're going to take the 40-point triple-double and you'll be happy. Nothing else to say about that. 
Kristaps Porzingis, he had 20 points uh, on 8 of 18 shooting, hit 8 rebounds, an assist, and 3 blocks. No 3-pointers, but had he hit 1 or 2, that's a very nice-looking Kristaps Porzingis line. He's he's an interesting guy because I think we all anticipated there'd be more rigorous resting schedules for him because of the nature of his injury and the fact that he hasn't played in a year, but he's taken no time off. And like those concerns are pretty much, for me, they're kind of evaporated, which makes him a very intriguing uh, trade candidate in my mind. Sort of a buy low. I don't know. It, it, the, the Mavericks are good. Like they're like, <laughs> they're like compete, like they're competitive good. They're going to, they, they're right now angling themselves for a top four seed in the Western Conference. And I don't see any reason at this point why they're, I mean, they might start resting Porzingis down the stretch, but it looks like he's going to start playing. He's just going to be playing a lot of these games. So that's pretty cool. Um, the big eye-popping line in this one is obviously Seth Curry off the bench. He's just exploded for 30 points on 11 of 15 shooting, 6 of 9 from three-point land, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 steals in 34 minutes a game. And that's all great, but DeLon Wright is not playing. He is out. He was questionable heading into this one, and he was uh, ruled out with, I want to say, I want to say abductor, but it could be adductor. One of those two injuries. If it was, I'm going to say that he was out with an abductor injury. If I was, if I'm wrong and it is adductor, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter and tell me how bad of a person I am. Um, but yes, abductor injury for Delon Wright. He's going to come back. I mean, the worst thing in the world I can imagine is that Delon Wright loses his mid twenties role to Seth Curry because I know what kind of fantasy player Wright could be. He's already got so much other stuff in the way to realizing that value. But I, I don't. I don't trust that Seth Curry is going to emerge in this rotation anytime soon. Um, put him on your watch list, but no, not much else. And uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. had a, had one of his classic stinkers. Pretty sure this is coming off of his 29-point game where he hit, we reined in uh, nine three-pointers. It was, yep. So that's pretty much part of the course for the man. He had two points on one of six shooting with five rebounds, and that is it. He's a very difficult guy to own. Moving on to the Pistons, I mentioned at the top that Andre Drummond was very close to becoming the first player ever ruled out uh, because Avocado. He, you know, it's not, it's, it's like kind of funny, but it's also really not funny. He had an allergic reaction to an avocado, um, had some swelling in his eye. Uh, it looked like he was able to get back out there, which I guess makes the story funny. Um, would not have been if it were anything serious. So it's nice to know that he's fine. He had 23 points with 15 rebounds, an assist, and three steals. He had a block, shot 10 of 14 from the floor and three of six from the line. That's Andre Drummond for you. Blake Griffin had, uh, uh, oh gosh, Blake Griffin scored 10 points on three of 16 shooting, one of 10 from three-point range with five assists and three rebounds. He has been abysmal all year. You really hate to see it, but I mean, Blake's just playing on fumes. He's... If you have him, I'm sorry, because you can't really trade him. I'm not saying you should drop him, but he you, you can't really play him like this. This is, I mean, yeesh. Uh, the bench guys for the Pistons were a little more interesting than the starters. Uh, Derek Rose is doing Derek Rose things. He had 19 points on 7 of 16 shooting, 5 of 10 from the 3, 4 assists and 2 steals. He's been playing fine over the last, uh, over his last, you know, set of games. He's a great end of bench guy to give you points and assists if that's what you need. And he's just chugging along. Um, Christian Wood, who is the fantasy darling uh, the, the, of what could be, 
he had 10 points, eight rebounds and a block in 14 minutes. I mean, good God. <laughs> if the Blake Griffin absence is coming, I don't know when, but there's going to be a point where he's gone and Christian Wood is going to fly off the waiver wire once that happens. He is absolutely, well, okay. Not, he's probably the epitome of a luxury stash right now. Uh, he, I mean, he's doing decent stuff with 14 minutes a game like this, but you can't trust that. You can't. You can't roll him out there. He He's definitely, there's a good chance that he could pop for this team at some point, but it's we're not there yet. Um, but he's very appealing. Hot, hot watch list guy. If you're in a deep enough format, then you can go ahead and throw him on there. Um, but, yeah. So that's it for that last game. Uh, there's not really much else to talk about. This is a pretty standard one. So we're going to move on to our last game. But real quick, uh, let me give you guys – I want to turn our attention to something that you all should be made aware of, and that's the Bruce letter. Guys, Aaron Bruski, the founder of HoopBall.com. He has a weekly newsletter that he's been doing since the very first week of the season. He It's it's a tapestry of fantasy information. It's great stuff. Uh, I've been reading every single edition, and I feel enlightened uh, from a fantasy perspective as a result. He's really, really good at this, guys. And all this stuff is totally free and totally exclusive to the newsletter. You cannot get this advice that he gives anywhere else. Um, take 10 seconds. You can go to hoop-ball.com slash newsletter, throw in your email address, and you'll get the next edition Monday morning. Bruski, he throws, he, he touches on uh, a topic uh, in the NBA of interest to him. He spends the first portion doing that. He'll give you his patented Kings coverage. If you want a deep dive on why Rashawn Holmes is the second coming, uh, you he will give you a little slice of life, some really, you know, a nice pause from, all fantasy stuff, really basketball stuff, really. Um, very cool stuff when you take a nice little break and get his thoughts on just, you know, life. It's nice. He, he had a piece about meditation, about being a new father. It's really good stuff. He's a great writer. And, of course, he does a blurb on all 30 teams in the league. What you get in the end is spectacular fantasy advice. Give it a look. Hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Put your email address in 10 seconds and get some primo fantasy advice in your inbox this next Monday. All right. Our last game on the docket tonight. It is still going on, but it should be ending pretty soon. 124 left. The Denver Nuggets are leading the Blazers 110-99. to They're going to win this one. Um so on the Blazers side of things, where Hassan Whiteside, uh, he's just, he's boggling the mind, I, I, I gotta say. I mean, he's completely, it's its getting pretty convincing at this point that he is playing at an early round level. And the free throw percentage went from about as bad as it could get to not just good for his standards, but just good by any player's standards. He, he has 33 points in this game with 11 rebounds, two assists, and four blocks on 15 of 21 shooting. He hit a three-pointer. What the? He hit a three-pointer in this one, and he had no turnovers. Um, I, I don't really have any advice on what you do with that unless if you have him, just pat yourself on the back and keep writing it out because they need him. There was an interesting thing today about Yusuf Nurkic apparently plotting a return sometime around the all-star break in February, which I got to say was, I was, I couldn't believe that when I read that because I was watching the game where he broke his leg last season. And 
I mean, we all talk about how devastating Gordon Hayward's injury was. I think this injury was like five times worse. That's insane to me that he could be coming back in February. He, he had that injury at the end of March. So, I mean, that's like, he, he, we're talking about like a timeline that's less than a year. Everything I've read about it seemed to indicate that he was looking at a March return. So this suggests that he's ahead of, he's ahead of schedule. There's no telling what kind of role he would step into. Um, and I don't think you make any moves on Whiteside thinking about that coming in the future. I mean, if anything, the Blazers just they just need anybody to come in. Uh, but I, I don't see Whiteside being threatened by Nurkic this season. I just I can't imagine that he can play himself up to a level worth competing after what happened to him and how long he's been gone. So interesting nugget there. I guess keep your eye on that. Um, but I'm, I, I don't. I'm not sure if I buy it yet. Carmelo Anthony. Uh, he has 20 points in 37 minutes right now with nine rebounds, two steals, two blocks, and assist in two three-pointers. That's an insane nine-cat li- uh, line from a very nine-cat, a non-nine-cat kind of player. Melo is a points league player. Um, he's the, the, the rejuvenation that he's experienced this season has been really cool. I'm a huge fan of it. I just don't really want him on my fantasy team. I mean, this is a great line, though. I, you got to give it to him. There's nothing I can really take apart there. But, yeah, I'm not touching that. Damian Lillard in this one, he has 13 points on 5 of 16 shooting and 11 assists, two rebounds and a steal. He's going to be fine, but he's not been playing all that great recently. Oh, let me just double-check myself on that. I'm, yeah, I mean, this is obviously not a great ball game. And, yeah, actually, yeah, he's been fine recently, but he's kind of had some ups and downs since the back injury that he sustained a few weeks ago. Um you just keep writing that out. The guy of interest really with the Blazers, though, is Kent Bazemore, who stepped into a starting role, a 30-minute-plus role, since Rodney Hood went down with his torn Achilles. And in this game, he had nine points, three rebounds, two assists on three of seven shooting, but only had one three in no defensive stats. And that's just not that, that's not what you want. Bazemore's a really interesting guy to look at right now because, you know, I wrote about in my, I, I do the pickup of the night columns on Sunday nights. Um, and I, I wrote about him in that column and I, I called him a must add in formats that you are punting field goal percentage because his, his shooting has been unavoidably terrible this season. It's really bad. Um, and I don't feel like it's the sort of thing that gets better when you get more shots. Like Bayes's shot just hasn't looked the same for the last two years. You, you really add him because of the one, one, one potential, one, three, one steal, one block. And it's been a mixed bag for him so far. Like this first game, it's just really in none of the games that he's played since he stepped into the starting role, he has looked like the kind of guy that you would want on your team. But I, I can't help but feel that you need to have him because there's no one else at all. And you look at this, they had four guys play off the bench. The Blazers did in this game, which it just went final, by the way. Nuggets win 114-99. to Four guys off the bench. Scalabca led them in minutes with 23, and he did nothing with them. Uh, Anthony Simons had 22, and he's been kind of taking the other shots that Rodney Hood had that Bays hasn't been taking. You kind of have to have Bays on your team, but you kind of have to not start him until he starts actually doing things because he's burning holes in your percentages, and if he's not getting the defensive stats, which in theory he really should be when he's getting this sort of burn, then he's just not worth your time. But 
but you, you, you got to give him, I guess, a little bit of opportunity, a little bit more runway to see, to prove that he does have it in him. You know, he looked washed towards the end of the last season. A lot of people thought that, you know, ch- chalked it up to him being sort of like unmotivated and checked out of what Atlanta was doing. But honestly, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm a Hawks fan. I saw a lot of those games. Bazemore was a very uh, vocal and active teammate. The Hawks were actually good down the stretch and like the team energy was pretty up. It, it, Bazemore might have been a little checked out because he's not competing for anything, but I don't really think that it was so much of him not wanting to play hard as it was that his shot's just not there. And this season has just been evidence to further that, that his shot's just sort of off. And without that, it's kind of hard for him to put his game together. So keep him on your team if you have him, but you know, you got, we got to keep a close eye on him because it's not been pretty so far. And uh, yeah, so let's move on to the Denver Nuggets thing to close out our night here. Paul Millsap and uh, Jamal Murray came into this game listed as questionable. Uh, Jamal Murray with his, his trunk issue that he hurt in the last game and uh, Paul Millsap with a sore left foot. Both ended up playing, both ended up ruining two different streams that I had set up. I had Monte Morris to stream in one league and Jeremy Grant set up in another and uh, didn't work out. Jeremy Grant actually had a great game, but well, and Monte Morris did. Jeez. All right, but we'll, we'll get there. Um, <laughs> Nikola Jokic, let's start there with him because he's actually had a really nice stretch over the last week. You know, there's been tons of talk about how he's just so out of shape and he's not playing well. But in this game, he had 31 minutes, 7 of 14 shooting from the field en route to 20 points, 11 rebounds, and 6 assists, and two three-pointers. Since December 6th, guys, he's been playing at a second-round level. Jokic has always been a slow riser, and maybe this year is a little slower than most, but I am optimistic that he will get himself up into that sort of second-round echelon. The buy low window is closing. Um, I'm not. I'm not saying that all of his issues are behind him because it's clear when you just look at him that he still has to play himself into shape. But I think he's also taking some of that criticism to heart and he's playing harder. And I'm just saying that the window is going to start closing, and people who own him are going to be less reluctant, are going to be a little more reluctant to give him up now that they're starting to see the guy that they are familiar with. So if you're interested in making that move, now's your time to do it. Um, Elsewhere on the roster, Will Barton, 15 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, and a steal. Two three-pointers, 6 of 12 shooting. Will Barton just doing Will Barton things. Chuck, uh, just chugging along. Jamal Murray, uh, who we mentioned, was questionable coming into this one. He played fine. He had 12 points on 4 of 11 shooting. Two three-pointers, 6 boards, 3 assists, and a steal. Uh, Paul Millsap, he only saw 16 minutes in this one with 6 points and 5 rebounds and a block. Um... Because Jeremy Grant saw all the minutes, all the playing time. 31 minutes for Grant with 20 points, 5 rebounds, 2 steals, and 5 three-pointers. I've talked about Grant before as being this kind of guy that once he takes this role from Millsap, he's going to be a must-start guy on all formats. And uh, we could be seeing the beginning of that. He's been trending up minutes-wise as of late. Um, he, I... I'm not saying that you should make the speculative ad yet because what we've seen so far this season is Millsap is continuing to get his minutes. Maybe he didn't play as much as he could have tonight because that foot was still kind of nagging at him. Uh, But Grant is super appealing. He's super appealing. If you have a guy to cut that you don't care about, I don't have a problem with you taking Grant on because, again, if he gets to that starter's level that he saw last year, I mean, we know what he did with it. I mean, he he was a top 70 guy. This is an offense that really suits him, and he's hitting threes at a high rate this year. 
he's the he's what we were hoping at a Bazemore with the the three steal and block kind of line. So he's interesting. And uh, Monte Morris also had a decent ball game: eleven points, seven assists, two steals, and four of eight shooting. I guess I shouldn't have benched him, but I did. And that is the womp womp sort of note that we will end this program on. Uh, guys, uh, thanks for sticking with me on this one. This was fun riding solo. I've, this is the first time I've done a podcast by myself. Um, so please, any feedback would be really greatly appreciated. You could follow me. You can find me on Twitter and follow me if you want at Alan Srochi, A-L-A-N-S-R-O-C-H-I. Uh, I love talk, love answering questions, love talking to all of you. And yeah, reach out to me uh, for any reviews that you could have of what we saw here tonight. Um, yeah, so that's the program, guys. Enjoy your Friday, your weekend, and we will catch you next week, hopefully with David back, recovering from his illness. Until then, have a great weekend. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.